Welcome to the Changemaker Connect podcast. My name is Ruth and I run an organisation called In Place of War. We believe that creativity conquers conflict. In this series of podcasts, I'll be speaking to some of the most inspiring people we've partnered with across the globe, so you can hear their incredible stories. So I'm really pleased today to have Sam Fry Monroe, popularly known as Comrade Fatso, on our Changemaker podcast. I remember meeting um, Sam many years ago through his brother Dixon, who was at an event that I was making in Nepal. And um, he came to our event and said that he wanted me to meet his brother because he might be interested in bringing the event to Zimbabwe. So I met Sam and we've kind of worked together ever since. And I think we've been around the world to lots of different places together. I was having (laughs) a think before and I could list India, Puerto Rico, Palestine. And I remember also DJing at your wedding. So we've been very much connected over this time. Um, And I guess ordinarily we'd be sat in a bar somewhere having this conversation back in a a time when that was possible. But how have have things been for you during this very strange year? Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I think uh, at first it was, you know, it was really, uh, really crazy. Just, you know, from a from a perspective of all the kind of the, the the programming that we do, I think we had to we had to pivot uh, a lot of our uh, of our programming. Um, but I think, at, you know, at the same time with the work that we do at Magamba, it, it really challenged us to be more creative, to go more virtual. Um, uh, and so, you know, despite how crazy the year has been, I still I still look at it positively. I think um, we've learnt a lot from it, uh, and we're, you know, the craziness of that our our kind of our creative organization has grown during a, during during this mm. this crazy time of pandemic so yeah yeah i think that's echoed around the world i think people have been incredibly responsive to to the challenges that they've been facing um, but i really wanted to start i guess at the beginning in this in this conversation mm-hmm. and get a sense of what makes the remarkable people that we work with across the world do what they do and what drives them to make change? So I guess starting from the very beginning, can you talk about what growing up in Zimbabwe was like for you? Yeah, um, growing up in Zimbabwe, so um, I uh, yeah, grew up in, 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 a, in a family that was very much about social justice. Um, so uh, I was growing up in the, ni- in the 1980s, which was seen you know, in, in some ways in Zimbabwe as the, gold, the, kind of the golden era it was you know independence uh, so we were a newly independent state after the liberation war against the the, the colonizers um, there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, hope in the air uh, and my parents were kind of part of that generation that were really out there um, trying to build that that new Zimbabwe so uh, my dad was involved in a lot of uh, rural community empowerment work working with the most marginalized communities and and, and trying to find ways that, yeah, to assist with uh, with empowering them through their natural resources and so forth. Um, he later got involved in a lot of environmental justice work and then ultimately a lot of human rights work that brought him kind of head on with the with the government here. Um, and my mum also was involved in a lot of social justice work when we were growing up. So she taught at um, uh, a school for um, kids with disabilities. She worked with a lot of uh, working-class single mothers groups, uh, worked with street kids organizations, um, and their friends were also very similar, just involved in different kind of, you know, uh, uh, cultural or development work. Um, and so that's the kind of, uh, that's the kind of milieu that, 
that you know that I grew up in, um, and I think it's it's left a big imprint on me and my and my two brothers who are all involved in different kind of social you know in, in, in social justice work, um, and for me, very much work that's centered in Zimbabwe and trying to use kind of creative and digital means um, to be yeah to be part of building a, a, a better Zimbabwe. And when you were when you were growing up, I guess, what was the kind of creative scene? You know, when you were in your teenage years, what was the kind of creative music? You know, other art forms that you were sort of exposed to and connected to. Um, as a teenager, I mean, I was you know I was very much into hip hop, which I which I, I still am now. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac and Wu Tang Clan. Um, uh, you know, I, I was really feeling that, but also feeling a lot of um, uh, Zimbabwean music like uh, Sungura, which is very kind of guitar-based music, and Chimurenga, which is kind of very kind of revolutionary Zimbabwean music that was also the kind of the, motiv uh, the, kind of the music that motivated the freedom fighters and the, 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 uh, the liberation struggle in the 70s. Um, so I think musically, that's, that's kind of what I, was, what I was vibing to at the time. Mm. Um, yeah, and I was, I was kind of starting, also starting, I'm um, starting to write poetry as a, as a teenager, um, starting to, you know, in my late teens, kind of when I was 17, starting to get politicized and went on my first dem protest when I was 17 and got tear gassed for the first time mm -hmm. uh, in my school uniform, I think I still remember. Wow. <laughs> I've forgotten <laughs> to take it off. Um, and yeah, when I was yeah 17, I, I'd started writing letters to the editors of the major kind of independent newspapers about the political situation so I think yeah my kind of political side was starting to form then also and so what kind of challenges I guess did you identify for kind of young Zimbabweans at that time what were the kind of things that you were wanting to fight or to change um so I think uh I, I think something that that was kind of dawning on me at the time because this was like the late 90s so it was when I was you know finishing high school was like 97 98 uh, when unfortunately a, a lot of the rot started to set in in Zimbabwe and and become more more evident um, you know we'd been through years of uh, uh, an IMF and World Bank imposed structural adjustment program that had really moved uh, uh, a lot of uh, state focus and funds away from education and health and focused a lot more on you know on on financialization um so our economy was was being was being affected there was more and more instances of of government corruption uh and <clears throat> uh and so i think yeah at the, at, at the time i kind of you know issues that i was focused on i mean the first protest i went on was when two journalists had been arrested for a story they'd written and ultimately had been then within uh, tortured and beaten by the army. Um, so these kind of instances were starting in Zimbabwe. Uh, and I think also I was, I, I, I was kind of realizing how, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the Zimbabwean dream of the 80s was slowly being, uh, being, being taken apart by this kind of, uh, the, the kind of parasitic, parasitic kind of petty bourgeoisie that we had as an elite who were in power. 
And I guess you had a, a president that was in power for an incredibly long time, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, when I was when I was you know leaving school at 18, he had been in power for my whole life for 18 years. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I when I turned 37, uh, he was still in power. <laughs> Uh, so that dude yeah. lasted. I mean, Mugabe was, you know, of course, like a constant feature of, of uh, my activism, uh, activism and of course many other Zimbabweans because he was the all domineering, all dominating dude who was there from like day one. Mm. And so I guess what led you to setting up the organization that you run today? What was that kind of initial impetus for creating the Mugamba Network? I think you know. I always, uh, I'd, uh, yeah, I, I'd always had a, uh, an interest in in media, uh, an interest in arts, and an interest in activism. Um, you know, I, initially when I went to to uni, I you know went to, to to uni in the UK and France. I'd wanted to do media studies, but the, uh, I didn't ultimately get into the media studies course. So I went for kind of English and French. Um, I was really interested by like at, at, at university by uh, spoken word uh, poetry and dub poetry um, and so got very much into like studying that and like looking into, into the roots of of you know especially how dub poetry was like a you know an art form of struggle from J Jamaica and, and and then the UK um, yeah. and also while at uni just got m more and more involved in in different forms of activism, anti-war activism, uh, work, also working a lot with uh, different anarchist groups. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I, I think I learned a lot of, uh, I learned a lot while, while at university, but I always knew that I wanted to be, uh, after university, come back to Zimbabwe and be part of the struggle for change here. Um, and the way I wanted to do it was engaging young people using kind of creative activist forms. Um, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was back, you know, back in Zimbabwe, I came straight back after university in the early 2000s um, and spent the first few years like working with uh, the women's movement at first, like with a really amazing uh, women's movement called Warza, a grassroots social movement who protested every year on Valentine's Day with bread and roses. Um, then from there, I started working a lot with youth organizations uh, and the Zimbabwe Social Forum, which is very much kind of a social movements based um, and yeah from there uh, you know at the same time was uh, organizing open mic sessions I'd started the first uh, ever poetry slam in Zimbabwe and got to meet other kind of you know uh, really like dope alternative cultural thinkers and cultural activists and I'd kind of built a band and was touring with my band and um, and yeah there was a there was a time when when we were at the, at, you know, at the slam and um, uh, Outspoken, who's like co-founder of our organization now, Magamba, had seen me on TV boasting that I was the, I was the dopest <laughs> spoken word artist out there. I was on TV and like, yo, me and my crew are the dopest, whatever, whatever. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to battle this dude. And like, he didn't have any, he didn't have transport money on him at the time, I think. So he just walked all the way from, from his house into town to the book cafe to the House of Hunger Poetry Slam. And uh, there were like 12 poets on the lineup. And so we battled in the first round and from 12 poets, it was down to like six in the second round. It was still me and him in there and battled and battled. And then it was down just to the two of us in the final. Uh, and we battled and uh, we tied. The judges gave us a tie. And so um, we had to split the prize, which was a quarter, a quarter chicken and chips 
and a book. Uh, and I was hungry, so I took the quarter chicken and chips. And he was hungry <laughs> for knowledge, so he took the book. Amazing. And, yeah. So after that, we were kind of like, you know what, man? We can, we can maybe work together. And, uh, and so from there, yeah, we started Magamba Network, really, because we felt like it was a very, it was 2007, a very depressed time politically and economically. And we were like, let's start using creative forms of activism that can reach out to young people, that can engage them, and that can get them involved in, uh, you know, uh, being part of change in their country. That's an amazing story. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess, you know, what happened after that? What is Magamba? What does it do? What are the projects and programs that Magamba uh, delivers? So, uh, so Magamba, uh, Magamba means, uh, it's a Shona word, which means heroes or freedom fighters, because we're kind of, uh, it's, 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 it's us, uh, you know, it was us as, the, as young people in 2007 kind of reclaiming that legacy and saying, you know, um, that ZANU-PF, the ruling party, may say that they were the liberators, uh, but they're not the liberators forever and we're the new generation of, of, of freedom fighters. Um, uh, so we've grown from an organization in 2007 where it was just me and Outspoken running the organization part-time from the lounge of our flats while we were out doing also our kind of creative hustles just to pay the rent. Um, kind of grown from that kind of part-time two-guy organization um, into, uh, yeah, I, I think by far um, one of the biggest creative and digital media organizations in the country, if not the biggest, um, with over, tw yeah, we've got a, a staff of over 20, 20 people full-time. Um, uh, and we kind of grew from running a signature kind of spoken word and hip-hop event called Mashoko, which was uh like which has basically created this kind of temporary autonomous zone of you know uh where young rappers and spoken word artists could come through in like 2008 2009 uh and really like you know and and, and perform and also kind of speak about the situation the country was in and kind of expanded you know from there kind of um basically using different forms of popular urban culture uh, and popular youth culture that emerged so from Mashoko we also then got into festivals and we launched our, our festival Shoko Festival, we got into satire, uh, we started then you know seeing where social media was going to go and started getting into blogging and then much more into digital media. Uh, we opened up a creative hub so gradually kind of you know expanded over the years. I think very much um, using those you know different emerging popular forms of youth culture and urban culture. Um, so Yes, and now as we stand, we run two major programs um, with, uh, with seven uh, different projects. Um, and we reach, um, uh, we reach millions of young Zimbabweans with our programming. We've got an online community of over 200,000 young Zimbabweans. And our, I mean, we, we reach over 10 million impressions per month on Twitter. Um, wow. That's amazing. It's just so impressive. It's incredible to see the journey going from a sort of, you know, very grassroots underground poetry slam to reaching millions of people, millions of young people in Zimbabwe, which is just so, so necessary and so crucial. So it's remarkable to hear, to hear the story. Um, nice. I'm going to take a pause there yeah. and ask you to introduce um, the first track that you've chosen to play today. Okay, cool. So the the first track I want to play today um, is uh, starting at the beginning. Uh, so, well, it's, so it's Thomas Mapfumo, who's a legendary uh, Zimbabwean musician, um, the, you know, seen as the father of modern Zimbabwean music. 
uh, and also the pioneer of Chimurenga music, which was the music of the liberation struggle in the 70s. And the song I'm going to play is called Nyokam Sango, which means the snake in the forest. And it was a very clever kind of play on words and use of proverbs uh, where uh, he was criticizing the Rhodesian regime, uh, the white settler regime, uh, by saying um, there's, a, you know, um, women and men, uh, watch out, there's a snake in the forest, so take your axes and let's attack the snake. Um, the, the settler regime didn't realize what the, what the song meant, and so it was played on, on radio uh, and, uh, and ended up, of course, inspiring uh, you know, freedom fighters um, to carry on the struggle that they're involved in. Amazing. Thanks, Sam. Cool.
So I want to talk a little bit about risk because you've talked about projects that engage young people in very much in the political kind of domain in a place where I remember one of my first visits to Zimbabwe and trying to talk to people about politics in a bar and people were refusing to talk to me. And some people said, you know, there'll be spies around and it's, it's you know, we, we live in fear of being, of being taken or being tortured or beaten if we talk about politics. So surely you guys making all of these really bold, big projects in Zimbabwe must put yourselves and your organization at risk. So can you talk about whether you've ever faced any retaliation or threats? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, we definitely face face kind of uh, retaliation uh, and blowback from the state uh, on quite a regular basis. I think like 2017 is a great example of that. Uh, we, uh, we, we started the year um, with the Harare City Council trying to demolish our creative hub, Motor Republic, um, which we'd built with shipping containers. Uh, and they came through literally trying to demolish it. They came through with like, you know, 30 policemen and a crane and they started hacking the containers down while our co-workers were still inside um, claiming it was an illegal structure we showed them the approved plans by the city council and they carried on trying to demolish it um, but luckily like you know I mean uh, luckily for us you know they were demolishing like the hub of kind of alternative media in in Zim and so quickly the, the hashtag save motor republic popped up uh, and became the most trending hashtag on Twitter that week. It forced the mayor to intervene. He, within an hour, the mayor had had to uh, drive to our hub and stop the demolition. It also for, forced the minister of local government to intervene and stop the demolition. Um, so, you know, we managed to stop that. And then by the middle of the year, in September, the police were threatening to not allow us to have our festival, Shoko Festival, uh, because they were saying... Um, uh, we uh, we were too mu too much involved in politics um, because the uh, the year before a comedian had said the joke that as Zimbabweans we're not ready for our own currency uh, because we don't have a dead president to put on it yet because uh, <laughs> of course Robert Mugabe at the time was still our one and only leader uh, since independence and so the police heard this and were like oh my you know uh, assassination assassination and we're like no 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 it's just comedy. <laughs> um, so we had to we had to have, have serious negotiations with the police so that so that the, that the festival could go ahead, and then by the end of the year um, in November, um, they uh, the, the police arrested our Magamba TV producer, which is our our, our um, satire production house. Um, they arrested her uh, at five in the morning from her flat charged her with trying, to, with trying to overthrow the government. They locked her up in maximum security prison. They raided our offices, confiscated our laptops. Um, and many of us had to go into safe houses just to, just wow. to lay low. Um, so yeah, uh, there is definitely retaliation for the stuff that we do. And that's it, isn't it? Because it'd be great if you could maybe talk a little bit more about your satirical news program, because this is one of the, the first things that I was introduced to with the work of Magamba, and something that I think is, is incredibly bold. And I guess, you know, you guys producing this, this satirical take on, on the political situation in Zimbabwe, and then distributing that to communities that maybe would not be able to access any sort of alternative media, you know, distribution via DVD, via digital, etc. 
it, it, it sounds risky, you know, uh, but could you talk a bit more about kind of the content of the satirical news program and what that means and what you're trying to, to do with the program or the change you're trying to make with the program? Yeah, so the, the first ever kind of <clears throat> political satire show we did was uh, Zambezi News, which we started in, in 2011. Um, and it's basically, you know, here in Zimbabwe, there's one TV station, uh, which is run by the states, and it's called the Zimbabwe Broadcasting Corporation, ZBC. And uh, all of us have grown up on the kind of the, the, the news programs where there's relentless propaganda and the majority of the show is filled with either what the president said or what the vice president said or what the ministers said. Um, and so we created Zambezi News as, a, as an absolute parody of ZBC um, with three bungling newscasters who are just pushing out, you know, uh, relentless propaganda uh, and bungling it uh, the whole time. Um, and so, yeah, when we kicked off in 2011, uh, it was, yeah, it was the first ever political satire show in Zimbabwe. Um, we, of course, at the time, like social media wasn't big in Zim, internet wasn't widespread. Um, so we decided to distribute it on DVD. Uh, and so we printed, yeah, over 10,000 DVDs that we distributed across the country, um, reaching over 100 different towns, villages and growth points. Uh, across Zimbabwe and got overwhelmingly positive feedback apart from one viewer who uh, who did write in because uh, we were collecting feedback by SMS uh, one viewer who wrote in saying I can't believe this is the state of our national broadcaster I can't believe they've sunk this low their standards have really dropped and uh, and I, t I turned to our production team I was like comrades we can quit we've achieved our, our dream within, <laughs> within in our first season they think we're ZBC <laughs> amazing Amazing. Um, so Sam, in terms of other projects that you've run that have really inspired me, um, there's one project in particular that I always think about, which I, again, I think is incredibly brave, but sort of fuses two things together that are really interesting. So it's called Open Parley, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. Yeah. And this is about, as I understand, young people going into parliament and tweeting about what's happening inside. And sort of, I, I guess, giving some accountability for, you know, what's said in that, in that space. Can you talk a bit more about that project? Yeah, so Open Parley um, is uh, actually, actually a project that was the brainchild of, of, of uh, Dixon, my uh, youngest bro who you met, uh, oh. uh, of course, and that's how we met. Um, and at the time, he was running one of our media projects. Um, and uh, the idea was, yeah, to, to you know, to, to kind of break down all the... The, the bullshit that happens behind closed doors amongst this, you know, amongst our political elite uh, and get young people engaged in, 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 the, in the political issues. Um, so, yeah, we, tweet, we, we trained young people, a bunch of young citizen journalists to go and tweet live from Parliament. Um, and that's really, yeah, blown up over the last, over the last few years. It creates um, huge engagement between young people and decision makers on Twitter. Um, you know, you'll have situations where our, our guys will be in there tweeting, you know, such and such an MP has come into Parliament and has fallen asleep again. And mm -hmm. uh, you've got young people on Twitter saying, what? How, you know, how dare he? I voted for him. And the MP will come back onto Twitter and tweet at Open Parley. No, I wasn't sleeping. I was resting my eyes. Um, <laughs> so kind of, you know, it, it creates engagement like that. But we also use it very much to kind of run campaigns. Uh, it's, a, it's a big campaigning platform. So uh, we ran a campaign this year called Reconvene Parley, when parliaments decided to adjourn because of 
uh, COVID and we're like, no ways, you can't adjourn. COVID funds are being looted by the government. So he ran a campaign called Reconvene Pali, which actually forced Parliament to reopen virtually. Um, and Open Pali now has grown um, to be one of the biggest digital media platforms in the country. It's got some of the highest engagement on any social media platform in Zimbabwe. We've got over 170,000 followers on Twitter. It hits over 10 million impressions per month. Um, it uh, also um, uh, has uh, been replicated on the continent. So we've set up Open Pali in Somalia um, as Kalfadi.com and also set up Open Pali Zambia as Open Pali Z. And we're looking to also expand it uh, to a few other countries uh, on the continent. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I want to talk about, um, I guess, my, one of my favorite aspects of the work that you do, which is Shoko Festival, which mm -hmm. I've had the honor to go to a number of times now. And it's, it's, it is, for me, it's my favorite festival outside of the UK where I'm based. Um, my favorite festival in the world. It's just amazing. And I think, you know, both creatively, musically, but also what I love about Shoko is that I've certainly for the past few years, it takes place in Harare, in central Harare, but then also takes place in a township outside, sort of outside of Zimb um, Harare as well. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that's interesting for me about Shoko is that, again, in a place that kind of, you know, it's difficult to talk about anything to do with politics, it seems like Shoko opens up a space where in that setting, people can be political, people stand on a stage and through their hip hop or through their through their words, they're able to in some way, maybe criticize uh, the government. What do you think it is about a festival space that enables people to be political where they wouldn't otherwise be allowed to? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think I think Shoko, um, I think with Shoko, we create very much kind of like this, this temporary autonomous zone, like a really free space. Um, and I think, I, I, you know, I think that's something that you can do with the festive atmosphere. Like I, it, you build, you build this, you know, this really amazing community um, that lasts for a few days and kind of, you know, uh, the way we do it with Shoko is, you know, by day we've got kind of talks on digital media and creative activism happening. And then by night, very, very kind of highly charged political stand-up comedy nights and, and kind of rip, you know, rip-roaring urban culture concerts. Um, and, and, and it's very much like, I mean, Shoko is very much about pushing those boundaries, about promoting freedom of expression. So I think it's, it also runs a lot through the DNA of the programming that we do. Um, mm. Always seeing how we can push the boundaries without, you know, with our comedy nights, with our performances. Um, and I think that's also really important in a, in a society like Zimbabwe, where there's very little freedom of expression, you know, where where journalists are constantly under attack, where satirists can be abducted and tortured, um, where you know, content creators who expose corruption uh, face being locked up. Uh, it's, it's all about finding alternative, um, uh, al yeah, alternative ways of getting information out there, alternative ways of creating free spaces since um, since you know the, the means you know the, the main means of communication in the country, TV and radio is controlled by the states. It's so important mm -hmm. to find creative means of, of 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 creating those living alternatives. For sure, um, I'm going to take another pause now, Sam, and ask you to introduce your second track. All right, so second track, um, I'm going to go with uh, a song by Chuoniso, who's a, an amazing. 
um, uh, you know, wa was an amazing Zimbabwean musician, uh, a, a woman musician in, in a male-dominated industry, um, who was, you know, a, a, a also a really powerful mbira player, uh, the mbira, which is the you know traditional thumb piano in Zimbabwe, um, and she also spoke out a lot politically, um, uh, unlike other artists uh, in Zimbabwe in the kind of uh, in the 2000s. Um, and so the track um, I'm going to play is called Rebel Woman, uh, which is one of her most, I think, you know, mo most, most powerful tracks. Uh, and I think very much kind of embodies who she was as a, you know, as a rebel in our society. Amazing. Thanks, Sam.
Zimbabwe itself but I know that you're a very global person so you're often to be found in different parts of the world doing different activities everything from stand-up comedy to giving presentations about the work of Magamba. I wanted to talk about what the importance of being connected to other places has been for you and how that's impacted on your thinking and the design of the programs and projects that you do and particularly maybe referencing Motor Republic and how that's been influenced perhaps by some of the spaces that you've encountered around the world. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I think, I think, you know, we draw a lot of inspiration from kind of, um, from stuff globally, from, from, you know, tours that, you know, from tours that we do or exchanges that we do. Um, I think it, 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 you know, it helps to inspire a lot of creative work out here. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, examples include, um, you know, sh I mean, Shoko Festival. We kind of got the idea when one of our one of our partners in Senegal runs a really dope hip hop festival, a really conscious hip hop festival, and we were like, yo, we need to, we need a spoken word and hip hop festival in Zim, and that kind of inspired us um, to do it out here. Um, similar with Moto Republic, like we knew we wanted to create a hub, you know. Uh, a space uh, for creatives, for young change makers, for activists, but didn't know what that space exactly would be, like what would we term it. Um, and um, so firstly kind of got, you know, uh, heard of uh, Power 254, which is the first creative hub in, in Africa, in, in Nairobi, Kenya, got in touch with them and uh, we're kind of brainstorming with them, like, you know, how, how did you set up your creative hub? You know, how did, yeah, how did you get it all going? And so that helped to inspire kind of uh, our idea of the Motor Republic as a creative hub. Um, and then also through the, through, um, uh, you know, what's, what's also become the kind of in place of war global network, um, also reached out to Alt City and Beirut um, about how they set up their hub and then got the, uh, got the inspiration for how we would build it also from uh, someone connected you know to you Ruth and to the kind of in place of war network the Tuna El Fuerte guys um, yeah. uh, and their their um, their super cool um, work that they're doing in in South America and building with shipping containers and and mm. I remember seeing those photos of me like yo we need to 
we need to build with shipping containers. And so we, we put out a call for designs and a young Zimbabwean designer came up with this super dope uh, concept with shipping containers. And then, you know, Motor Republic was born. Yeah, it's so nice to see those ideas kind of go move from one place to another. And having visited both of those spaces, it's just amazing, you know, to see the use of that material and, and you know, how those spaces kind of stand out in the communities that they're rooted in. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's for me an amazing kind of outcome of the, of the networks that we exist in. Um, but I guess, you know, obviously you've been, Sam, to a lot of places, a lot of different parts of the world. And I guess all of those places will have had some kind of impact on you. But can you talk about maybe a couple of places that have made you change the way you think or that have, have, have shocked you in some way or, you know, or, or stood out in some way? So places that I've traveled to that have, that, that have really stood out for me? Really stood out, really res like in, in, had some kind of, I guess, big impact on the way that you think mm -hmm. okay um yeah in terms of like places i've traveled to that have really impacted the way i think um i think definitely um going to going to nairobi uh kenya i think um uh we've built up so many connections there um we find a lot of shared i think shared history between interestingly between zimbabwe and kenya um, and so, yeah, I've built up a lot of creative collaborations there um, from, you know, collaborations we've got with creative hubs uh, through to kind of satirical, uh, satirical production studios. Um, so I think the Kenyan scene is definitely, and that's the Nairobi scene specifically is quite, quite an inspiration to us. Um, uh, I think also musically uh, South Africa, I think, you know, we've, we have built a lot of kind of just... Um, regular touring networks between Zimbabwe and South African festivals. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's, uh, that's always great to see. Um, and uh, yeah, then I, th I think, you know, also, 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 you know, coming out to, to London, getting a sense of the creative scene there, um, mm. I think gives, you know, has always given some great ideas for, you know, what we can do in Zoom with co-work, with our co-working spaces, with, with, mm. with festivals and so on. Amazing. Um, okay, so we're sort of getting towards the end. I wanted to go back just to, we talked about it briefly at the beginning, but obviously we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And I guess, you know, a lot of the places and the communities that we're working in already face a lot of challenges on a day-to-day -day basis, basis, whether it be, you know, conflict or lack of resources, etc. And then we have this global pandemic layered on top. Um, I know that you guys have been working on a huge initiative around corruption during the crisis. Can you talk a bit about what that's involved? Yeah. So, um, yeah, of course, we had to pivot a bunch of our programming when, when, when COVID hit. And so um, through our Open Pali project, we launched uh, COVIDZW.info, which is Zimbabwe's first COVID cases tracker, where you could track where the hotspots were in a, uh, across the country and to see if you'd been through a hotspot. Then from that, we started building uh, uh, a COVID funds tracker, basically realizing that there was a lot of COVID funds corruption uh, happening in not just in Zim, but on the continent. And as, we have, as we've also seen recently, even with Boris Johnson. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and so we worked, we worked with uh, the Follow the Money movement, uh, which is based in Nigeria, but a really, really dope crew of, of, of young activists who kind of track public funds. Um, and so working with them in Nigeria and uh, other members of the movement in Kenya and Cameroon, Liberia and so forth, 
uh, and we built um, followcovidmoney.com, uh, follow which is now a continent-wide kind of tracker uh, for, and with different countries have their own pages uh, where you can track how much funds have been donated uh, to a specific country uh, to, to, to fight COVID uh, and, uh, by, uh, and by who. Um, uh, and then the next steps we'll be looking into is actually how have those funds been deployed? Have they been properly used? So really using these kind of digital tools uh, as a means of, of, of ensuring accountability because there's a lot of looting of COVID funds that's, that, that's been happening on the continent. For sure, that's amazing. Um, okay, so that's been an amazing insight into all of the incredible work that you do and you guys do at, at Magamba. Um, I guess sort of just to, to kind of finish, if you could give a message to a person that says they can't make any change in the world, what would that message be? Um, I, you know, I think I, I mean I'm a I'm an eternal uh, optimist, and I think I think change I think change is always possible, um, uh, and I think change is is, is so important, um, and I think uh, not you know not not for it to be a cliche, but you know I think so many of us can 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 bring about change in so many different ways um and i th i i think it's about you know you can look at the you know the, the 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 massive global issues that you know that 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 are happening but then bring it down bring it down to the local level bring it down to the community level bring it down to the, the neighborhood level and see what change you know uh you can bring about in your community i think it's so important start with those small steps and small victories lead to big victories uh, and that's, I, I think that's also very much what, you know, what, uh, you know, it's, it's been the story of the path that we've taken to, to get here. Totally. And I think, Sam, just before we go to your third and final track, um, could you give us a quote that I guess has, has been important throughout your own personal creative activism journey? Yeah. So the quote that was um, kind of quite inspirational and foundational for me, but also for kind of uh, Magamba um, uh, was the quote, our word is our weapon, um, mm. which came from the, you know, the, the Chiapas uh, insurgency in Mexico and was very widely used by um, one of their, uh, their, their spokes, their former spokesperson, uh, Subcomandante Marcos. Um, and I found it really inspirational as, um, you know, how the word, um, can be a weapon uh, in the kind of in our local and global struggles for social justice in a better world, um, yeah. and that was the you know inspiration behind things like Shoko. I mean, Shoko in Shona means word. It's the festival of the word in so many different ways, uh, and I think there's the great that great power in the word uh, and creativity uh, in being a really powerful weapon for for positive change. And it's so interesting because one of the quotes that we often refer to within Place of War is um, a guy in Colombia who says, our guitars are our weapons. And so I think it's that thing, you know, creativity becomes the weapon and, you know, the thing that the tool that we use to fight the injustice in the world. So that's super powerful. So <laughs> Sam, thank you so much for, for being part of this podcast. Um, I guess we're going to end with your final track. So if you'd like to introduce that, that'd be amazing. Yeah, cool. So um, final track. Um, so we go out on a bit of a banger. Uh, <laughs> we're going to we're going to play you a track by Sampa the Great. Uh, and Sampa the Great um, yeah. is from our neighboring Zambia. So she's like she's our homegirl. Um, she's from just across the border. Um, but yeah, I find, you know, I find her uh, 
her 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 flow is so super dope um and you know um she's very modern but you know takes you back to that kind of 90s feel so over to sam for the great amazing thank you so much sam
Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed our podcast, please like and subscribe.